Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change. The podcast will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. It is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. Welcome, Dale. New series, huh? A new series. It's actually, in some ways, it's not new. We're actually kind of picking up from the other one. And this one is called If Receiving is the Answer. We talked about the step-by-step series. Well, how do I grow through those steps? And we, we took a couple of uh, sessions to talk about troubleshooting, to problem solve, to make this thing work. But this whole series will really get us into the meat of how do I overcome? How do I grow? How do I break through the strongholds, the blockages, the bondages, those things that keep me from growing? And so if receiving is the answer, dot, 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 then what? How do I get there? How do I break through? How, how do I receive in a way that I actually can grow and get better? In logic, the uh, if therefore... Uh, is the basis of things. If if uh, statement A is true, statement B is true. Therefore, uh, your conclusion would would be true. Uh, if anything in the in the process isn't uh, in those suppositions, those first ifs, uh, then the the result isn't necessarily going to be true. Could be, but. There's a possibility, a good possibility. If one of them is false, it's all false. And and what we're talking about here is application of the, the this idea that we have uh, uh, spiritual levels that we attain and go through in step by step process, starting uh, before we even know they've started. Uh, even uh, you mentioned in in the uh, group today that that uh, John the Baptist uh, uh, knew uh, that Jesus was, was uh, in, in, the, in the womb still and recognized. And uh, so that's pre-birth, pre, uh, and, and there's that recognition already. As you're talking about premises, and that's, you know, the if part is the premise. That's, that's the, okay, let's, let's just have a starting point. The starting point of many people in our culture is education is the answer. So it's like, I'm going to teach you information about drugs. I'm going to teach you information about, you know, this whole process and what happens. And if I give you the information, then you will be able to overcome. I would suggest to you that's a faulty premise because it's based on the idea that man is centered around brain activity, and I believe that it's <laughs> you're, you're laughing at that, okay? Well, well I, in a lot of cases in a day, uh, it's certainly evident that that isn't happening. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. And again, I'm, when I'm talking brain activity, I'm talking thoughts. I'm talking logic, which you brought up already. You can give people logical information. It doesn't necessarily win the day. It doesn't necessarily change things. So what I believe, I believe that the deepest part of a man is more in the core values area. It's more in a spiritual area. 
There is a spiritual functioning, and we spent an entire series detailing some of the pieces of that spiritual functioning. So if spiritual functioning is at the center of what we do, then how do we get better? And the answer that I would give, coming out of John 1.12, which is, as many as received him, there, that, that receiving language is powerful. He talks about receiving really is greater than the will of the flesh, than the will of man, than any other thing. So there's got to be this connection and receiving process, or I can't do the step-by-step process that we talked about in the last series to grow and to get better, to overcome, to step into new places. That's very much like receiving Christ, period. Uh, that that uh, people that don't, that haven't, uh, a lot of times think that uh, uh, it's not available to them. And, and the reality is it's, it's already a done deal for everyone. The forgiveness has been given. And, and yet, until we receive the gift, uh, it's as if we don't have it. And, and so I, I see parallels that are in, in this. If we're really going to, to latch on to the, to the uh, overall picture that God has for our creation, and I believe each one is different, that, that uh, we have, we've been given it already. It's, it's in our possession, but what are we doing? It's got to be acted on. It's got to be, be received. And then it has to be a, a, a matter of action. And, and obviously, if, it's, if it comes from God, the, uh, the, we talked about coaching in, in the group today. Uh, our coach, our head coach, is God, and, and we need to listen to, and to his directions and follow his, his, his leading. So if it's offered... And it is freely offered in the cross. Jesus died. The legal penalty for sin was paid. And not only that, let's take it to that spiritual level where the peace is being offered. The joy is being offered. The love is being offered. It's a matter of connecting with God, drinking it in, receiving. Once I receive, I'm not the same person I was before. How could you be? Yeah, you can't be. So you've had that coaching. You've had that life poured into you. You've had the different things poured into you. Then I should be able to be a different person. That's the essence of the gospel. And to me, that's what's so powerful. It sets Christianity apart from any other religion. Virtually every other religion is do this, take these steps, elevate yourself, climb to a higher level, climb to a God status. Christianity comes along and says, you don't got a prayer. You can't do this. You're under the bondage of sin. So unless you receive from me, unless you drink in from me, you can't do what I'm asking you to do. So many times, even within the Christian churches, we lose this fact, and so then it turns into a works kind of a religion. And I'm stepping into that place of, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to be a Christian. Well, you don't try to be a Christian. You receive what God gives you, and that receiving then empowers you to take the next step. It's just a completely different mindset than what you get typically in religion if you're doing it the right way. 
Now, I'll be the first one to tell you that it's very easy. Because of who we are as human beings, we want to do it by ourselves, all the way back to the three-year-old. You know, I talked about in the creativity stage in, in the last segments. All the way back to that three-year-old, I want to do it by myself. And that's so instinctive. Even in Christianity, we give this gospel about you can't do it on your own. You have to receive Christ. You have to be forgiven. And then immediately, as soon as, well, I've done that, so now I'm back to doing it on my own. I'm going to work my way through this thing. I'm going to get there. All of those attitudes block out our ability to receive from God. We, we have it, but we want to earn it. And that makes us feel important. That makes us feel like we're the, we're the issue here. We're not the issue here. The, pres- the present has been given. The gift has been given. And good news, it's not only been given, it's been given with the Holy Spirit uh, to be the voice of reason, to be the voice of direction. And, and our job is to be the player for the coach. And I'm going to take issue, not really, but with what you said in terms of given, it's being given. Let's go into a current tense, because that's what happens. A lot of times people have an encounter with God, and it's like, okay, I'm good to go now. The way God has designed us is for partnership. It's being given continuously. If you don't learn what it looks like to be continuously connected with God, continually receiving from God, the death of Jesus did what? It meant that we can come boldly to the throne of grace so that I can continually be receiving because I don't have what I need to live today apart from God. God's called me to do things today beyond what I can do unless I'm looking to God, partnering with God, receiving strength from God. So it's been given, but it's also being given. That's an incredible truth. Well, let's take a break. We'll review a few things, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the heart of the message as we continue. in terms of forgiveness because I think I think people I think a lot of the problem that a majority of people have is believing that they have to earn that forgiveness and so that's what I was speaking of in speaking of the gift is given I think everyone is forgiven Died once for all. That's, that language speaks to me as everyone has that uh, available. And, and receiving it is, is the other part. So. And that is true. And, and again, what I, what I said, I don't want to indicate that I was, in a sense, I'm not negating that truth. Because if you don't believe it has been given, is a done deal, it's pretty difficult to receive on an ongoing basis. And it's reasonable to think you have to do it if it hasn't been given already. You have to make it happen because, and I think that that's a common belief, is that I have to make it happen. Well, the, the only thing that you have to make happen is to receive the gift, to, to believe, and, and <laughs> that activates it. it. It's not that it isn't there, it's, it's how, how does it become 
internalized. Well, this discussion directly leads into some scriptures that I want to give today, and, and I want to pick up, and this comes out of John chapter 3, and no, it's not 16. Uh, we will start with verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, I want to really go to that last phrase. We think inside of where we are spiritually. And notice that last phrase, they loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. We're all incredibly egoistic. So if you come to me and you're, quote unquote, scripture talk for just a moment, walking in the light, i.e. you're connected with God, you're drinking in life from God, I can see something in you and I tend to be intimidated by that because it's like, whoa, he's got something I don't have. Uh, this is a threat to me. And a lot of times because of that ego, instead of saying, wow, he has something I don't have, I want that, we tend to feel threatened by that. And so then we reject it and we push it away. So the word evil here, I want you to clarify for us, uh, because I, I think that a lot of people, uh, if, you, if you put that verse in front of them, they'd hear the word evil and they think, well, that's something really bad, and I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not evil. Uh, clarify. Let me continue the verses to try to clarify. Verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So we've got that, and then let's go to verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So you are contrasting two different groups of people. You're contrasting one that seems to be caught up in their own world with another group of people in verse 21, which is, but he who does the truth is a good person? No. He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. Wow, look at the good stuff I'm doing. No. That they, that the good deeds that I'm doing, have been done in God. Let that language really soak in because there's two groups of people here. Back to my language for a moment. Those who are walking in partnership with God, drinking in life from God, empowered by God, strengthened by God, and so their lives are elevated beyond what they would have been. And so therefore they are doing, they're living a different, different quality of life. So, but they come and they're excited about God and rejoicing because they know that everything they've done that's good was done in God. Do you hear that language? The contrasting is, and I don't want to overkill it, but everything else is in the category of evil. My observation is that uh, we want to live out somewhere where we don't have to deal with the idea of evil or, or light. And, and our, first, our first tendency is, uh, no, I'm not evil. And, and no matter what realizations or whatever is in my head and heart, uh, I, I see it as, no, I'm not there, so I must be 
And it's, it's a justification that we do. Uh, I'm not evil, so I must be. It's an either-or thing. And, and, and in the process, uh, we're not paying any more attention to God other than we're given lip service. And, and so I think there are three categories. <laughs> There's that, that could be, and, yes. and, and the process that most of us, all of us at some point, are, are dealing with, okay, evil, good, light, dark. What about this shadowy area? Well, living in the shadows is, is neither or, uh, nor, because it's like, uh, I'd rather you be light or dark. I don't remember the exact phrasing of that verse. But I think most people live in that gray area, try to live in that gray area, and that's not one of the options. What I call that is the good flesh. And it's interesting because there are people who their effort is to do good. Well, Mm -hmm. what's the definition of sin? All have sinned and fall short of being a good person? No, that's not what it says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you have an automobile and it's just beautiful, it's shiny, it's all of the different stuff, but the engine doesn't work, the car doesn't run. Wow, what a magnificent machine. If it's not running, it's not running. We were created to bring glory to God. We were created to partner with God. We were created to serve God. So I can do a whole lot of good stuff, but if I'm doing it in a way that doesn't bring glory to God, I'm missing the mark. If I'm doing it in a way that's not loving my fellow man, I'm not walking in the fullness of love the way Jesus did, I'm missing the mark. And yeah, I get what you're saying. That doesn't sound like it's evil. That's why I coined the term good flesh. There's a period there that's still just fleshly. It's selfish. It's egoistic. I'm doing this for the wrong motives. Whatever language you want to talk about, it's good flesh. It falls short of the glory of God. That's why in those verses I said, you've got these people who are walking with God, so they don't even want to claim any credit for themselves. They just want to give glory to God. And then you kind of have everything else, and that includes this good flesh. Glory to God is an interesting uh, phrase. And, and when you said that, uh, I'm asking myself, well, what is the glory of God? Well, the glory of God in creation uh, was not only the, the magnificent world and universe that he created, but it was the height of it, according to, to his words was man and, and woman and you know, humanity, better way of putting it. Uh, so humanity is the glory of God. And the best version of humanity is us as he created us, us to be in fellowship with him, in, in fellowship with each other and giving uh, away what we've been given in, 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 uh, in a sense in gratitude an expression of the love that he gives, we give, give to others. A word that I know that you like is the word communion. God created us for communion. He created us for close fellowship, close oneness, close togetherness. 
in our country, we have this idea of rugged individualism, mm-hmm. and this great individual is the one who accomplishes great things and et cetera. Well, there's this thing called team sports. Many times that incredible star, I, I can think of several times when people signed incredibly lucrative contracts and their lucrative contract literally destroyed that team for five years, 10 years, sometimes even longer, because so many resources were committed to that one person that it, in, it destroyed an entire team literally for a decade. So when you start thinking communion, you start thinking fellowship, and you start thinking that bigger picture, and us perfectly in sync with God, and, and us perfectly in sync with one another, and it all being orchestrated together, now we're beginning to get a picture of the glory of God. Let's take a break. Again, it's always amazing to me what, uh, what we talk about and where we go. Uh, hopefully, God is orchestrating all of this, and then we will be back. We're starting a series that's called If Receiving is the Answer. And I believe, similar to what we've been talking about, communion at the end of the last segment, the glory of God is when we're really in that communion with God, in communion with one another, where love, if you want to go back to the word, except, man, it's so perverted in our culture that I almost hate to use that word. Yeah, but we gotta, we, we have to do something about the way it's been perverted and, and to, to disavow it, to to take it out of our vocabulary is not the answer. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, we have to redeem it Absolutely. if you want to use a biblical Imagine word. Imagine that idea. I mean, uh, how do you redeem love? But anyway, go ahead. Love so often is about how you make me feel, and it becomes an emotional thing, and it's no longer about us coming together into a unity and, and working together in a kind of a synced-up manner that wow, this is just a beautiful picture, and, it, and, it, and it's working together. Well, we start with communion. We start with that connection with God. We start with the idea of receiving and believing that that's the answer for this thing to work, because we're, we're selfish. We're egoistic. It's virtually impossible for me to walk in love towards other people unless I'm being directed by God, so that ends up being powerful, being surrendered, being submitted. But there's another piece that I feel like is largely missing in our culture, and that's why I highlight, that's part of why we do these programs, that's why I use the word heart, because people get the word heart, but it really, I believe, is more clearly laid out with the word spirit. So if God's spirit bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8, 16, God's spirit bears witness with us, there's spiritual communion, there's spiritual connection. What does that look like? And I really feel like as a culture, we miss that a lot. So then we get saved. We receive the love of Christ, the gift of God, the forgiveness. And then we go back to our normal way of living to where I'm just trying to be a good person, which, I mean, that, does that not tie back in with everything we've been talking about? It does. Uh, I was talking with a lady the other day and, uh, uh, we frequently talk and we talk about, she talks about what she does and 
I talk about what I do, and then there there are cross conversations in it. And I was talking about the Easter program, and and uh, I I we had a wonderful thing happen. Uh, did baptisms afterwards, and uh, six or eight had signed up. We ended up baptizing somewhere between fifteen and twenty, and and uh, and she didn't understand. She knew what baptism was, but uh, she said, "How do you get there?" I mean, you know. And I said, "Well, uh, you're saved." I mentioned that that eight of those people were saved the same day, and she says, "Well, how does that happen?" Which uh, for me, was an an interesting place because uh, I hadn't given it any thought, at, at least at that point, about people knowing what being saved meant. She, how does that happen? And I I tried to explain, and and uh, uh, it was it was so foreign to her that she didn't understand it. As far as she was concerned, her mental assent would have would have been it. It isn't, it isn't a spiritual thing. It isn't a, even a physical thing other than you, you decide in your mind yes or no, and then you go on. That goes back to John one twelve, which is, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to the, even to those who believe in his name. Now, let's go to the next verse. But who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the spiritual. Yeah. It's, if you think about that, she believed that she could make a decision and then continue to make decisions. And that decision she would consider, she would ponder. Listen to how important the mind is. Listen to how important the will is. And John tells us that you can't even come to Christ unless God draws you. You can't even come to Christ unless there's a will of God at work into you, reaching into you. I mean, this is powerful language if you really understand the concepts that John is presenting. This is what we think uh, we're powerful, that, that, that we have the power to make any and all of this happen. And the reality is, that's why we're so dissatisfied, because the reality is different from that. Uh, we don't have the power to make it happen. Uh, anything that, that uh, uh, positive or that comes out of our life uh, isn't really our own possession. And then jump back to John three twenty one, where you have the second kind of person, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. How many Christians do you know that have that sense? And that's scary. It is. I mean, most people are like, well, I'm trying to live a good life. Well, God, the voice of God, a connection with God. Uh, well, um, yeah, that, I, that might have happened once. This is a continuous, ongoing action of I wake up and there's a gratefulness in my heart of, wow, look at what God has done. I, I love the fact when I look at the last five years, 10 years of my life, God called me to do things that I knew I absolutely could not do, that were so outside of my ability zone that I wake up every day going, wow, God showed up. 
God did this, God did that, and you start putting all of these pieces together, I get to live like that. And unfortunately, way too many people, it's about, I believe this, I chose this, I'm a good person. No, that falls short of the glory of God. It falls short of a receiving, empowered gospel. We're using two words here, uh, receiving and trying. Uh, I think we need an alarm system attached to us that any time, maybe electric shock would, would do, that any time we start talking about, I'm trying to do this, that, that we get a little jolt to, to remind us that uh, uh, once we have received, uh, it isn't our responsibility other than to be a part of whatever God is directing us to do. If we have received, we're not the same person. No. We're able to respond. We have an a, antenna instead of an alarm. <laughs> at a different level. But again, I'm going to contrast in a way here for just a moment. That doesn't mean we stop trying. You know, it's, it's interesting because there's God's part and our part. It still requires total effort on our part. I can't live the life of God apart from no effort from me. Remember, it is partnership. So that's why I like that word. It takes total effort on my part, but it also takes a receiving lifestyle. Those two have to go together. I like doing better than trying. Doing? <laughs> Again, it's interesting. I, the gospel is full of a lot of times what people call contradictions. I don't see it that way. But there's a lot of times when it's like, okay, you brought up a truth. I brought up another truth. They rub against each other. You got to find how they fit together to really understand the fullness of the gospel. Let's take a break, and we will be back in a moment. If receiving is the answer, well, first of all, you have to believe that. You have to believe that you actually need God. You need something outside of self. And, and that there's something to be received. And that there's something to be received. And, and that's really where we've gone today. We've really explored that. Then the next part of that is, how? How do I do that? And I believe the answer more than what we have done, the answer is actually spiritually. What we've done, for the most part, we've turned the gospel into an intellectual exercise, or we've turned it into a will exercise where, okay, I'm going to manipulate the emotions, and I'm going to bring this in, and I'm going to get you to make a decision. Well, if that's the basis of the gospel, I'm sorry, but the gospel is weak in you. What's much more powerful is when you know that you know that God has shown up and there was a download and there was something significant that went on. And that's not, it, it might sort of be attested to at the intellectual level. In fact, it should be attested to at the intellectual level but it's not intellectually received, it's spiritually received. Scripture says that uh, you should come as a child. Uh, you wouldn't expect the child to deal on a highly intellectual level. Uh, they're more on, on now and feeling. Uh, 
the manipulating thing. It, I think one of the realiza realizations that I I continue to have is, is the moments that I get into. I, I want to tell God what I want Him to do, and and uh, <laughs> the idea that I can manipulate God is is uh, any any anywhere but being an intellectual uh, high thought, which is what I think intellectual is. But uh, in in His presence, uh, we have potential for progress. And without it, we don't. Well, we're really dealing in kind of a more intellectual, you know, and I, not even intellectual. We're, we're, we're dealing in a foundational area, and, and in the next programs, we'll, we'll get much more practical down to, okay, if receiving is the answer, how do you deal with trauma? How do you deal with all of these different things? But we're staying at a foundational level, so I want to give it one more verse, and this is out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man? Now, that's, that's like a foreign language to us in our culture because we are works-oriented. We are intellect-oriented, and so it's like that doesn't even compute. But Proverbs is very clear. It talks about if you really want to know a man, you've got to see the man's heart. You've got to see the man's spirit. So what man knows something except the spirit of the man? And so when a person is in that place of peace, that's a powerful revelation about that person. When a person's in bitterness or anger, that's a powerful revelation about that person. When I'm working with people, I basically use this to give me insight into people. I look up and I, I just kind of take an evaluation, maybe ask a few questions, get a little bit of information. But the information isn't near as important to me as the spiritual tone that I hear. As soon as I hear a spiritual tone, I know a lot about that person. I just don't know the facts. I don't know the information. So the, the previous series was about uh, developing the spiritual side of, of each and every one of us. And it is interesting. Uh, I see it a lot in the group. Uh, Someone has their 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 tunnel vision on this one thing that if if I could, and it's I could. That's the language. If I could fix this, then I'd be all right. And and the reality is, uh, they're in a in a mental exercise in a physical effort. And the reality is, until they start to discover. A spiritual side, which is where the answers are, uh, they're not. They're not going to do it anyway, by themselves. But but the realization that that there is something else, those questions that you're asking, uh, every once in a while you see the the dawn of comprehension <laughs> in someone's face, and it's like, oh, I never saw it that way. And and that's the beauty of of being in the group. And you're talking about what questions that you ask. I get to see that. There is spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. You come to an altar. You come full of anxiety. You, you come to this, this place of frustration, bitterness, anger. You do a transfer. You hand this thing off to God. 
and you stand up and you walk away from that in a spiritually different place, a place of peace. That's a picture of a receiving gospel. That should be going on everywhere all the time in our lives, but we're not aware of it. We're an intellectual society processing ideas, so all anything that's not an idea just kind of escapes our notice. It, it escapes what's going on. And a lot of what I do when I work with people, I just start paying attention to spiritual clues. And I'm like, I'm hearing your words, but I'm seeing your face and I'm listening to the undertones and your words aren't matching up with what I'm seeing. So can we talk about this? Can we, can we find out what's really going on here? Well, we all have this kind of a John Wayne swagger. Uh, John Wayne is not as well known as he once was, but <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out of date here. You're, well, you're, you're not in style at, anymore. No? <laughs> at, at my age, that happens a lot. <laughs> but we have this concept that uh, we're we've got everything under control. John Wayne, he had this swagger, and everything was under control, no matter how un- under control it looked. Uh, and, but the truth is, we really know down in our deepest parts that that's not the case. And, and uh, I'd highly recommend that if you get the opportunity, uh, sit in a group and listen to what's going on, and you're going to find that the spiritual side uh, is there and it needs attention. And the more time we spend paying attention to the spiritual side, uh, the better off we're going to be. I actually believe that's been part of why we've been effective in the Omega Project. We listen spiritually. We, we see people. We interact with people. You contrast that with what's going on today in a woke world, and everything's judgmental. You've got to be politically correct. You've got to say exactly the right words, and if you're not saying exactly the right words in the right way, then the judgments that are coming off from that are just like off the charts. And what's so crazy, the woke world started out of the command, thou shalt not judge. It was directed towards Christians. It was directed towards people who have a right and wrong, black and white worldview. And so it's like, thou shalt not judge. And so in a sense, they were judging harshly anybody who had any sense of reality and ideas. And so you've got a clash of ideas. Instead, where we need to go, we need to get back more of seeing people, seeing messages, hearing spiritual messages, things like communion, which we talked about earlier in the program. I mean, these become powerful tools for us to connect, to truly hear, to grow, to make ourselves better people. So what you're saying is poor judgment doesn't have to be terminal. It does not have to be terminal. We've taken a lot of time today laying the foundation, an introduction for the idea of receiving and really getting that down in a positive way. I hope that you've enjoyed it. This is just the start. Come back and join us next time for Effective Heart Change.
Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.